Well, good evening. How are you guys doing tonight? Huh? Now, now, some of you, according to the conversations I've had this evening, are still in the Christmas spirit. And so, <laughs> I hope you've been enjoying that. How, how many of you, you decorations are still up? Huh? You'll, and you're happy to admit it. Yep, 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 they're still up. We have yeah, we, we got ours down already. Well, okay. How about we start with uh, Angels from the Realms of Glory? So, we'll do the first verse. If you can remember it, do you know the words of this one? It's kind of one of those off-center. Let's stand. Let's give it a shot. You got the music for that, Christy? Uh, <laughs> she can do it by memory on the piano. You can do it by memory on the words, right? I don't know. Maybe I should pick a more mainstream song. All right. Give it all you got. Angels from the
this song reminds me of the, but it, it reminds me of the armor of God. You take the shield of salvation, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt, what is the belt? The belt of truth, the, the, the sword of the spirit. And this one is really contemplative, like, oh, I'll just sit back and let God lead me. And there's a place for that. But there's also the resolve. I am going to let God lead me, and I'm going to do what he wants me to do, right? That's why you have to pick up all the armor and put it on and fight the fight. All right, let's see in the third verse. He will give me grace and glory.
Thank you, Mr. Jason. Appreciate that. If I sound like I've got a cold, it's because I've got a cold. So I take vitamins like crazy. I mean, I take about, I'm not making this up, I think it's 23 pills every night before I go to bed. <laughs> you know, plop them in. So Mia says, no wonder Dad never gets sick. And I knew as soon as she said that, I was going to get, I just knew. Uh, anyway, that was uh, on Friday night, I think it was, and here I am. So I'll survive. But if you don't want to shake my hand or anything like that, I'm not going to be offended. Uh, but I'll try to stay away from you. What do you have in the way of prayer requests this evening? Ms. Andrea. Bill Edwards, 73, look, in his 70s, I'm sorry, and uh, looking to have a double lung transplant, so we're praying for him, for the transplant, and for the family of the donor, who obviously if there's a double lung, that's an issue there, so um, my second cousin twice removed, or, you know, I don't know what it is, so it's my cousin's grandson, so you figure it out. Uh, but anyway, um, he had multiple organ transplants about four weeks ago, three weeks ago. I've mentioned this to you, I think, once before, but he's still in the hospital, just up and down, back and forth every day. It's just, if you watch his Facebook, it's just, but right now, uh, you know, he's, it's kind of turning downwards right now. So he's been coming up, but uh, anyway, so just, his name's William, if you'd pray for him, I know they would appreciate it. Thank you for sharing. I don't have COVID, by the way. That's one nice thing that I do have a cold. But Miss Carol Stapert was here Sunday, and she does have COVID. So if you uh, were in contact with her, you might just watch and you know, just be aware that uh, she tested positive. Miss Bonnie. Bonnie's brother-in-law, Mark, had a brain tumor. They removed it. They're pretty sure it's cancer. Uh, did they say for sure? Or they're, they're just pretty sure. Pretty sure at this point. Okay, so they're waiting on some of those results. He's been released to go back home for now, but just waiting to see what the next things are. So pray for Mark. Build your own house. Chad can do it. So, yeah, okay. So, pray for the Sloans as they uh, go to build that house. Miss Loretta? Gallbladder surgery, having some troubles with it. 
pray that he gets to come back to work, and she's been also sharing the Lord with him, so uh, just pray that that door continues to be open. So Meyer Bender, her husband, had a knee replacement surgery back in September? In the fall. In the fall. And uh, things went bad. It got septic, and uh, they had to go back in and remove the knee replacement. And right now, they just kind of left the leg there, uh, trying to clean out this infection. So uh, repeating all this so everybody out there can get that. So uh, they'll wait until February and see if he's infection-free, and then see about doing another replacement need. praying 
on the field. Did he? He prayed on national TV. Yep. That's yep. So praise the Lord, you know. Hey, whatever it takes, I guess. So. Unspoken for daughter-in-law. Salvation. Okay, let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity to be here and uh, ask that you would just meet with us in a very special way tonight and make this uh, time together uh, meaningful for our time with you and uh, just good fellowship. We bring these petitions before you. Pray that you would uh, be with Bill Edwards, who's uh, having this lung transplant, that you would uh, just help the transplant to go well and ask that you would be with this family uh, from the donors. That We know that there must be a story there and just ask that you would find a way to uh, show your comfort there. Uh, <clears throat> pray that you would uh, be with Robert as he's recovering, and William and Mark and myself and others that are sick there, be with Chad and Carrie as they try to figure out how to deal with their house, that you'd watch over them. Uh, be with this Robert who's having emergency, who had the emergency gallbladder and some struggles that you would just uh, help him to uh, get, be able to get back to work and be with Miss Loretta. She uh, has an opportunity to witness to him. Uh, for this Meyer vendor uh, whose husband's had this uh, knee replacement that's kind of gone bad, that you would just uh, clear up that infection, help him to uh, be able to get this knee put back in and uh, give Miss Deanna the opportunity to be a witness and a testimony during that time. For Aunt Linda, we thank you for her um, testimony of knowing Christ as she's now facing all of this cancer that you'd be with Miss Natalie and comfort her and, and help uh, Linda to uh, find your comfort as well. Did Miss Sharon get this eye cleared up for her so that she can see clearly to get out at night and do the things that she needs to do and, and just watch over her <clears throat> for the unspoken uh, about the daughter-in-law that you would meet that need in a very special way, you know what it is. We bring uh, the football player before you. We thank you for uh, the way that you were able to get glory and honor and turn people's hearts and minds to you for a few moments on Monday night, and, uh, millions of people perhaps, and pray that you would uh, just touch this young man. If he is a believer, that you would help him to use this circumstance to uh, be a testimony during this time, and, and uh, that you would just be with the family there as they deal with things as well. Did Mark and Amber, Amber, we bring them before you and pray that you would... Uh, even now, just touch their hearts and help them to realize how desperately you love them and desire to be a part of their lives and to save their souls and pray that they would 
uh, hear the gospel and come to an understanding uh, of the gospel for this lady who Bob passed out the track to that she'd just uh, be with her as well as she reads through that track that she would read it understand it and come to know Christ be with our teenagers and our college students as they're meeting in other parts of the building watch over them and uh, meet with us here tonight we'll thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus name we pray amen I have copies of this book by the way uh, there it's very thin little book. You could probably read it in an afternoon or less. I mean, but it's kind of set up that it could be a daily devotional. This is the book up here, How to Pray, The Best of John Wesley. And uh, it's, it is a great book. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, it does not use the King James Bible. So that's, if that's going to bother you, then don't get the book. Uh, but I've got copies of it. If you want them, I'll set them out at the end of this. I meant to get them out and I forgot. Uh, but uh, you can order your own on Amazon, about a buck, I think it is probably cost you more to have it shipped to you than it cost you to buy the book, but uh, there you go. And so we're studying prayer, uh, and, and eventually, probably next week or two, I'm just kind of reminding you that you know, we will be turning this into a prayer meeting during this time, um, and I'm asking you not to, not to bolt, all right, to hang on tight, and let's, let's let the Lord use this. You know, prayer, corporate prayer, is a biblical thing. Corporate meaning there's more than one person. Private prayer is a biblical thing as well. Uh, and so, but there is a uniqueness to corporate prayer. Uh, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, there's the Lord in the midst. You know, there's uniqueness to uh, If two agree upon uh, something, I can't remember that verse in the, in, in the New Testament verse, you know, when we agree upon something in prayer, uh, it adds power to that prayer. Uh, there's, there's something to be said for corporate prayer. And so um, <clears throat> I want to encourage you with it. Just so you know, the, the, the goal is not, we're not changing this from being a Bible study. But what we will be doing in the future is adding a prayer time to our Bible study. Okay, so we'll still have the Bible study, uh, but we'll also have prayer time. And so that's what we're looking for. So we're kind of just walking ourselves through some things about prayer. Uh, some of this is repetitious because, you know, you're just studying prayer, but this is a Again, this is just a little pamphlet almost from, uh, by, uh, put together of John Wesley. It's not written by John Wesley, but it's of, of his. So uh, uh, we're going to kind of walk through. Ask, seek, and knock. I messed up on the knock, you know, but, uh, but I found that I, had to, I couldn't find any knock that I liked, and I found the Nemo. And uh, if you ask and seek, you will find Nemo. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> You had to be there. You had to, <laughs> you had to be there. All right. So the reason that this verse is so important, now it's, it's the one that uh, Wesley starts out the book with, but the reason this book is so important is because of those three words, ask, seek, and knock. So tell me, please, what is implied by ask, seek, and knock? Say it again. Okay, for one... There's the implication that this isn't a one-time deal, right? That, I'm, that I ask and I'm asking and I'm seeking and I'm knocking. But what else? It's active. That's right. Prayer is not a passive thing. It, 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 we, we have a major part in this concept of prayer. We must do the asking. We must do the seeking. We must do the knocking. That's what the Bible says. If we ask, it's given to us. If we seek, we find. If we knock, it's opened. But implied with that as well is if you don't ask, 
you don't get it. You have not because you ask not. If you don't seek, you don't find it. And if you don't knock, it's not open. And so there's an active part of this, right? Prayer is not just passive. So, uh, you know, this is a, this, this is a challenge. We'll, we'll get into this. Uh, it, great discussion this morning. And uh, I'll try to remember where we squeezed it in and get it in. But at some point, we'll, I'll share with you that discussion. So this asking, seeking, and knocking concept is here uh, in Philippians chapter 4. We've looked at these, this Philippians 4 verse before already in prayer. Uh, be careful of nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Asking is just that. Making our requests known unto God. Um, this is what the Bible says, right? Answer this question. Does God already know my request? All right? The Bible says, make our requests known unto God. So it's not like we're, we're informing God. He already knows. He's an all-knowing God. But... What we have is a God who wants to know that we are going to look to him, and, and he, this is what he's looking for. He wants us to look to him and depend upon him for this. And uh, it's, it's this great challenge of it. But uh, yes, he already knows, but we're still supposed to make our request known unto God. In Psalm 34, it says, But they that seek the Lord, look at what it says, shall not want any good thing. That's a pretty good thing to have, isn't it? Uh, we're supposed to ask, we're supposed to seek, we're supposed to knock, and this is kind of you know, the, the, a formula for praying. And as we seek the Lord, we're not going to lack any or miss out on any good thing. In fact, there's another verse that says something like that, right? No good thing will he withhold from them who will walk uprightly. I mean, this is the God that we have. He, we have a God who's looking for reasons to bless his children. I tell you this about, about tithing all the time. God doesn't need our money. Do you understand? God doesn't need our money. And can I just say this, you know, without... I'm not trying to discourage you from giving because you ought to do it because that's what God says. But the church is not going to fall apart if you quit giving. It's God's church, not yours and not mine. It's God's church. He takes care of it, Right? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. So it's not like, you know, we're sitting here saying, oh, please, please, would you please give your money or the church is going to fall apart? No, it's not. It's not. And God doesn't need our money. That's for certain. God's not sitting in heaven trying to figure out how to pay the light bill. That's not what God's doing. So, the, but God, what we have is a God who just looks for reasons to give good things unto his children. And so as we are obedient, he blesses our obedience, right? So then Proverbs chapter 3 says, uh, Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. You know, God just is waiting. He's looking for a reason to bless. So we give to the Lord, he blesses us. We seek the Lord, and nothing, nothing good is withheld. Every good thing comes our way. That's the God that we have. He's looking for reasons to bless us. Uh, Proverbs chapter 28 says this, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. That, that's an amazing statement to me. Um, has your prayer ever sounded like this? Lord, why? Has your prayer ever sounded like that? I don't understand God. I don't, I don't know what you're trying to do. By the way, can I say to you that Jesus prayed that prayer? 
My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's what it means to be human. We don't understand. But here's what the Bible says. Seek the Lord, and the understanding comes about. They that seek the Lord understand all things. So we may not understand it at the moment. We may not understand it, but as we seek God, we're able to understand his plan better. And so, you know, that's just a wonderful thing. And so the why is not a problem. I have no problems with people praying why. Uh, why is not a problem in God's economy. Uh, but uh, the seeking is the answer to the why. Uh, so let's seek the Lord and let him show us these things. In Zechariah chapter 8, it says, Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also. Uh, you know, so prayer and seeking the Lord, that's put together right there. Uh, praying and seeking it. Now, in the knocking concept, I didn't put a verse to it. I'm just going to tell you, honestly, other than ask, seek, and knock, there's not a lot of other verses that talk about this knocking concept in prayer. Um, you have, uh, you know, Jesus in Revelation knocking on the door. But that's Jesus doing the knocking, right? Not us. And so that one doesn't really fit. Uh, but what you do have is like the Apostle Paul says, a great door and effectual is opened unto me. And the door opens up and we walk through it. Uh, so, but the knocking really is like, it's the action with the asking and the seeking. I'm asking and seeking, and now I'm, I'm knocking. I'm, I'm looking for that answer. And so um, <clears throat> I would just encourage us, let's, as we're going to prayer, these are the, some of the components we're looking to do. We're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking, and uh, coming to the Lord in, in our prayer time. I like this one. This is one of the things, Wesley, each page really is like a chapter in this book, and it's just a little thin book. Uh, and so it's almost like a devotional. But he calls this this, have a holy urgency. Now, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I've told you this before. It's just me trying to be transparent with you. But here's, here's the way I approach life all too often. It's not, this is not good. Don't follow your pastor in this situation. A problem comes up, and I'm a man. What do I, what do, I do? I try, or try to, anyway. I try to fix it. I'm a man. That's what men do, right? We, we fix the problem. And so what happens is, now, I'm not talking about like a leaky pipe. I'm just talking about, you know, so here's this problem, and I need to fix it. So it's a problem with, you know, I've got, uh, you know, two people that aren't getting along very well. Oh, I need to go in and fix this, you know, and so... And so I go and try to fix it, and I, and I find, oops, I'm not able to do it. So I try something different. I try something different. Finally, it dawns on me. Maybe I should pray. Oh, <laughs> you know what's missing in my prayer life is the urgency of prayer. It, it ought to be that I'm like, I've got to pray now, right? That's because there's a problem over there, so what I need to do is pray, not run to fix it immediately, but to pray. And that urgency is what, uh, you know, uh, Wesley's trying to push us to. Like, we need to make sure that prayer is that first thing that comes to mind as we're dealing with life's issues. Uh, you know, I, um, I was sharing this morning, I don't know if it was during this page or not, but I was sharing this morning that uh, so often churches, church splits, I believe, happen because what you have is a pastor who tries to fix a problem before he prays. And we're going to come to the next part of that prayer time in a little bit, why it is important to do this. But there's this urgency in prayer. I need to, prayer ought to become our, 
to, to get to the place where praying becomes the first thing we think of when we face a problem. Wouldn't that be great? I have to be honest, I'm not there. I'm not. I wish that were where I was. You know, I see a problem, I, I catch myself in the middle trying to fix it before I'm trying to get the Lord involved, and, and it becomes a real problem for us. Listen to what Hebrews 9, 4 says, verse 9 through 11. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And the, the, the focus is on that, let us labor to enter into the rest. You know, it's that urgency. That must be what we're, what we're focusing on. Let's, let's labor to have rest, to have the peace that God wants, and that's going to come on our knees in prayer sooner than it's going to come on us trying to tinker with people's lives and fix problems that we can't fix. I can't change a heart. I can't change an attitude. You know, I can, you know, I'm a dad, right? I can make an attitude adjustment, right? But the reality is all I can do is change behavior. This kid's doing something I don't like. I can adjust their attitude a little bit, and they behave differently. But the, but the reality is I don't know what's happening on, in the heart. I didn't change the heart. I just changed behavior. And it's more important to have a heart change. And so we need to learn how to labor into that, uh, to make that an urgent part of what we're trying to accomplish. And uh, so I just liked that one. I thought that was a really good point for him. This is the next one that we need to focus on. Wait on the Lord. Uh, I don't know what that guy's doing. It looks like he's at a bus stop. But it looked like to me he was waiting, so I put that picture up there. It's not one, you know, it's just one of the things you get off the Internet. But the Bible says this, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And we could, there's a lot of verses about that. We could just keep going back to it. So now I want to go back to the urgent praying. All right? I want to go back to that church split. All too often, we see a problem. And we go in to fix the problem, and it's a problem of the heart that I can't fix. But I'm trying to fix the problem. And I'll try to fix the problem through counseling, and I'll try to fix the problem through rebuke, and I'll try to fix the problem through keep making the list up. The problem is that what I fail to do is to first bring it to the one who can actually fix the problem. And I think sometimes what we do is we get in a hurry. We are an instant society. Have you ever caught yourself standing at the microwave, waiting impatiently? You're standing at the microwave, waiting impatiently for something that is going to take a minute and a half, right? And you're like, oh, come on, the commercial's not over, you know? <laughs> and and we, it's like we can't hardly wait. Uh, we're, we're this instant society, and we have gotten so instant in our mindset. Have you, have you ever noticed that nowadays, remember... Do you remember the old internet connection? That you, the, mo, many of you will not remember. And then finally it you know, connects. Remember that? These poor kids, they don't know what that means. And now we sit at our computer and we're like, I mean, if it doesn't pop up instantly, we're like hitting the button three or four times. Come on, what's the matter with this computer? You know, w w this is where we are. Unfortunately, that's become the way we approach God. God, 
here's what I want, here's what I need, and, and we're looking for an instant fix. But God is doing a work that is greater than popping popcorn in a microwave. You understand? God is going to work on a heart. So I'm afraid that sometimes church splits are because what you've missed out is the pastor missed out on the opportunity to pray and then give God a chance to do a work that he can't do, to wait on the Lord. I wonder how many marriages have split because we prayed, but then we didn't wait. Waiting on the Lord is not an easy thing. Uh, you know, I don't know how long it is to wait on the Lord, but I know that there are stories, even in our church, of spouses who prayed for their other spouse for 20 years before they finally trusted Christ as their Savior, waiting on the Lord, just praying and praying. Uh, you know, it's not easy, but we're asking God to do Listen, if I can do it, I don't need to ask. Oh, that sounds awful, all right? Because I need God to give me the strength and everything else, right? But if, 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 if I can go over and turn off the, uh, the dripping faucet, I don't need to say, God, please turn off the dripping faucet. God's going to look at me and say, John, I gave you two legs and a brain and an arm to do, go shut it off yourself, right? I mean, but the big problems, I can't do them. I can't change somebody's heart. I can't change an attitude. I can't fix those problems. And, and I'm afraid that we're so instant and we're so impatient that we've forgotten this concept of waiting on the Lord and giving God a chance to do a work that we can't do, you know? And, uh, and you know, I, I'm not here beating anybody up for anything. You know, in the past, we've all had situations we didn't wait on the Lord for, you know? But we're saying, going forward, let's learn how to wait on the Lord. And, uh, and that sometimes means that we wait on the Lord. And that takes quite a while. Uh, the children of Israel... How long did they wait on the Lord to free them from Egypt? 430 years. That's just a little bit of time. Just a little bit of time. Did God keep his promise? Yes, he did. He did. You know, but God's God, and you know, we need to wait on the Lord, and so uh, those are big challenges. I don't know um, where you are in this one, but I want to just focus on the on the good part about this, right? Look at verse 31 of Isaiah 40. It says, they'll renew their strength, mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary. Wouldn't that be great to run and not be weary? My daughter can run and seem like she doesn't get weary. I'm not making this up. She calls me all, uh, every other morning, and she's running usually any place from one to five miles uh, every morning. And she's talking the whole time. 100 miles an hour, on the phone, just talking on the phone. I'm like, I am, I'm, I'm gasping for air just from listening to her talk, right? Like, I can't keep up with that. To run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. To listen, wait, wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. It's worth waiting on the Lord. To learn how to be patient and give God a chance to do a work. Uh, God, God is... Uh, When we're waiting, here's what we also know. He never slumbers nor sleeps, right? It's not like God's forgotten. It's not like God is, you know, he, he's, 
this is, we, can, we can trust God and learn how to wait on him. <clears throat> this is the one that brought up some, uh, some things today, and I'll, I'll um, start the discussion unless you guys have one. Uh, but asking in faith. I found this one. I put, I put um, doubt, because you know, the opposite of, of, nothing, of asking in faith is doubt, and popped up this sign, and I thought, it is an amazing thing to me that even the world knows that doubt and fear go together. You know, If we start doubting God, it won't be long before we start fearing what life is bringing our way. Uh, doubt and fear kind of go together. Uh, but uh, James chapter 1 says this, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. That's where we need to get to. That's, that's asking in faith, nothing wavering. And, and I read this verse, and I'm cut to the quick, but I'm, I'm reminded of another verse. Do you remember when the, uh, when the, um, the man brought, I, I wanna, I'm hoping I'm telling the story right, but he brought his son to the Lord, or at least the need of his son to the Lord, and said, my son's in need of healing. And Jesus said to him, if thou believest, he'll be healed. And what did he say? Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. <laughs> That's where I find myself. That nothing wavering is a hard place for me to get to, but here's what the Bible says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Because if we're wavering, we're like the sea. Uh, the wave of the sea, driven by the wind, tossed uh, and tossed. But let not that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So God wants us to be confident in him. Not confident in our faith. He's not confident in, in you know, like, oh, I'm just going to stand firm and believe. It's not confident in my faith. It's confident in him. My faith is in him. And when I, when, as long as I'm putting it on me, like, just like that father was, Lord, help my unbelief, he's still kind of, who, no, this is all on me. No, it's not on us. It's all on him. And if I can put it over onto him, that's where my confidence comes to. And I can now have nothing wavering, knowing that God is a good God who, who holds no good thing back from those who live uprightly. Right? This is the God that we have. So I can, I can be confident in him. And so, uh, you know, but we need to learn to ask in faith. So someone asked this morning, you know, um, God's sovereign, and he is, and God, God um, has a plan, and he does, and God's going to accomplish his plan with or without us, and that's true. So why do my prayers matter? And, and I'm going to tell you that this is a delicate balance. But I'm going to say, as honestly as I know how, there's a misunderstanding of the sovereignty of God. Because this sovereign God of ours has chosen, sovereignly chosen, to allow us to have a part in the process. That doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but it is the absolute truth. Here's how we know this. You have not because... Because it wasn't God's plan to begin with. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. Yeah, not because you didn't ask. That's what it says. I mean, literally, a sovereign God says, I'm going to do this or not do it. It's based upon you. 
Do you see how this works? I mean, he's, he hasn't lost his sovereignty. In his sovereignty, he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'll do it or not do it, but it's based upon you. Those are challenges. Do our prayers actually change anything? Well, you know, I, I'm, I would bring up, you know, Abraham's prayer over Sodom and Gomorrah. Hey, God, would you, if, if uh, would you still destroy the city if you found 50, 40, 30, 20? Now, here's what I know. I, I know this. I know. God knew how many righteous people were in Sodom already. You understand? I know that. But is God just playing a game, a mind game with Abraham? No. That's not, that's not the God that we know. No, God is like, no, Abraham, I, if there's 50 righteous people, I won't destroy it. 40, 30, 20, 10. I won't. But I'll tell you a story that's even more amazing. Because God said to Jonah, go tell Nineveh, that wicked city that's in crowd against it, because I'm going to destroy them. And Jonah came walking through the city and said, God's going to destroy you guys in, in three days. And the king said, I'm paraphrasing. The king said, you know what? Let's pray. Maybe God will change his mind. He didn't say it that way. He said, let's pray. I mean, God had declared what he was going to do, right? A sovereign God said, I'm going to destroy this city in three days. And the king said, Let's pray and repent. And they did. And guess what God, guess what that sovereign God did not do? Destroy the city. Because, see, God's sovereignty allows God to act within his character. So his character is just, and he is absolutely just to slap us upside the head every time we do something wrong if that's what he wants to do. He's just to do that. But God's sovereign character is also gracious. And he is absolutely still God if he chooses to be gracious instead of to act out in justice. He hasn't lost his sovereignty. He hasn't lost his Godhead. And he responded to the king of Nineveh, that wicked king over a wicked city, who repented and God did not destroy the city. Jonah was disappointed, but uh, that's beside the point. And um, so, you know, I, I can't explain it. I, I can't. I can't explain how it is that a sovereign God gives us will, choice. I, I can't explain it. But he does. That's what the Bible says. So, you know, and so, yes, our prayers do matter, and yes, our prayers do change the direction that a sovereign God might take. I can prove it in the scripture. It's happened before, and it will happen again if you ask. Good, Matthew. Mm hmm. Remember the man goes to his neighbor and says, hey, I had some unexpected company come. I need some help. I need some food. Answer the door, please. I know you're in there. I need some help. I need some help. Answer the door. And the guy didn't want to answer the door. And finally, because the guy wouldn't shut up, he goes and answers the door and gives him 
right? And, the, and Jesus is comparing this to our prayer life, and he's literally saying the way we react in prayer impacts the way God reacts to us. And God can do whichever one he wants. His character allows for all of these things. He doesn't lose his character by being just or by being merciful. But, you know, he, he responds to us. Uh, and it, so it's a real challenge. But yes, and we ask in faith. Uh, if we don't have faith, we should not re- believe that we're going to receive anything of the Lord. But if we do, the, the opposite of that is true, right? Then we should have an expectation that we're going to receive of the Lord because we're asking in faith. And uh, so and it's uh, an interesting concept in here, and you can read Wesley on all that. I love this chapter of, of Wesley's thing, guarding with prayer. Uh, I've shared this with you before, but in Ephesians chapter 6, you have put on the whole armor of God. It starts there in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God, you might be able to stand, goes through all the different armor pieces, which Jason went through for us tonight, he didn't even know we were going to talk about it. But it ends at verse 18, which says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And so Wesley uses the armor of God as the concept of guarding. Like we're to guard our hearts, right, with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. And so, um, you know, he uses that, that concept that prayer is a part of this guarding. Uh, we see that with Job, right? Job prayed for his children, right? He, he, and if you remember, remember exactly what it says, why did Job pray for his children? Do you remember at the beginning of Job chapter 1? Why did Job pray for his children? They may have sinned. You know, just in case my kids did something that's going to get them in trouble, I'm going to pray a, a guarding prayer over them, right? Lord, watch over my kids. And if they've sinned, please, God, approach them with your mercy and your grace instead of your justice. Because he's a sovereign God. He can do whichever one he wants. You know, and, and our prayers make a difference. And so here's Job praying that. And so I thought that was just an interesting concept, this guarding prayer, that prayer becomes a part of our armor of God, that we're, we're guarding our lives, we're guarding our families, we're guarding our children, our, our church uh, through prayer. And uh, so an interesting thing. I've got to uh, hurry up here. Don't just say your prayers. You know, we don't just utter a lot of words. So Though I speak with the tongues, 1 Corinthians 13, a men of angels that have not charity, I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. It just becomes noise. It doesn't matter how good it sounds, it's just noise if all I'm doing is just saying the prayer. Uh, remember, Matthew pointed out earlier uh, that these are action words, right? That they, they involve, It's involvement in our prayer. Ask, seek, knock. Uh, Jesus says to some people in Matthew 7, uh, not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord. Not everyone that's praying shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, and I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. You know, our, our prayers have got to be more than just hollow words. We, we simply just can't, you know, just utter words for the sake of uttering words. Um, have you, uh, I think I shared with you last week about, you know, how I prayed through this, this Pledge of Allegiance uh, one time with my Iwana kids. You know, I'm not, not paying attention and just kind of, uh, you know, we had been working on memorizing the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, it's time to pray. I pledge allegiance to the flag. 
that prayer was going nowhere quick. You know, I mean, obviously, those were just words, and it was hollow and empty. Good words, great words even, words of men and of angels, but wasn't, wasn't reaching the throne of heaven. Uh, and so don't just pray, say your prayers, but uh, make sure that you're acting upon them, right? Put, uh, we used to say it this way, put feet to your prayers. You know, so Lord, please save my brother. The expectation is that you're going to witness to your brother, right? If you, want, if you want God to save your brother, then you need to go share the gospel with him. And, and that's the way it works, right? It's kind of like, uh, Lord, please provide for my family. We need some food this week. And then you go out and stand that sign, <laughs> you know, right next to the now hiring sign next door. Don't we have problems with that? Doesn't God have problems with that? You have? He, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's what the Bible says, right? But God is under no obligation to uh, meet those needs. He's, you know, so don't just make our prayers be hollow. This is a great, uh, a great passage here, uh, a great chapter here, praying through God's promises. I need your help here. I'm almost out of time, but um, I want you to help me come up with some promises that we could actually bring before God. Let me ask you a question. If God makes a promise, do we still have to pray about it? I mean, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So why do I have to ask God to supply my need? He's already promised he's going to do it. Because we've already talked about it. Because you have not, because you ask not. This is the kind of God that we have. He wants us to have an active role in our Christian walk. Can God supply my needs without my asking? Absolutely, he can. Is he obligated to do so? No. And so, you know, we... It's, I can prove, I can absolutely prove to you that God's promises have to be accessed. Let me ask you. God promises that everyone who will ask will be saved. Is everyone saved? Not unless they ask. You get the point? I mean, it's a promise. Yes, it is. But, you know, this is the point. that We, we don't have, so we've got to, Praying through promises. And so I, I love this because it's a good challenge. There's a little over a thousand promises in the Bible. Not all of them have anything to do with us and our Christian life. Some of them are given to Israel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and there's not going to be any reasons for you to pray through them, right? God's promise never to flood the earth again. He put a rainbow in the sky to remind us of that. I doubt many of us spend too many hours praying and asking God not to flood the earth again. Uh, you know, he, he, actually, he actually put... A rainbow in the sky for what reason? To what? As a reminder of who? To who? To himself. <laughs> now, don't misunderstand. Does God forget? No. But he put it there so that we would know that God has not forgotten his promise, right? That's why it's there. That we would know that God has not forgotten his promise. But that's why he, look at, this, look at Genesis, it says that he put it there you know, as, as his remembrance. Uh, of this promise that he's made. But, uh, but there are a lot of promises here. So I love Matthew 6, 8. For your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Oh, isn't that good? But you know, there's another part of this we've got to catch. He knows what things we have need of 
so I don't need to ask. Is that what it says? Not what it says. It doesn't say that. He just says, before we ask him, he knows what we need. Uh, if, we, if we lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth, upbraideth means that he's not, he doesn't mock us. and ridic- What? You haven't learned that lesson yet, John? How come you haven't? No, he doesn't do that. You know, he doesn't mock us and ridicule us. He doesn't upbraid us for coming to him and say, God, I, I still don't know what I'm supposed to do. Uh, and, you know, it shall be given him. So those are some promises that God's given. Give me another promise. What's a promise that we could bring before the Lord in prayer? Okay, listen. God's promised to never leave us nor forsake us, right? And I don't have to ask him to be with us, to be with me. But this is the God that we have. He wants us to claim those promises. He wants us to bring those promises to him. Um, He calls it putting him to the test. He literally, he he challenges us. Put me to the test. See if I keep my word. You know, and so we, we bring these things to the Lord and say, Lord, you promised. You know, and uh, do you remember when, um, when Moses and, and God are having a discussion? This happened at least twice, I can think of, in, in uh, Exodus, I think it is. And God says, Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to kill these people off, and I'll make of you a great nation. And what does Moses say to God? I'm paraphrasing, but what does Moses say to God? Will not the God of the earth do right? Well, hello. Will he do right or not? Yes, he will. Is Moses reminding God like God forgot something? Here's what Moses says. Moses says, God, what's everybody going to say? That you brought us out here in the wilderness to die? What's everybody going to say? Did God forget? Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. No, that's that's not the point. God wants Moses to see who God is. But the point truly is that we, you know, God says, put me to the test. Challenge me with my word and see if I keep my promise. And, and that's what Moses does. He challenges God with his word. God was going to keep his promise. God's God. But, you know, it is, you know, here is something we've got to know. God could have destroyed everybody except Moses, and still kept his promises to Israel. Do you you understand that? It wasn't like God would not have been keeping his promises to Israel. He would have still kept his promises to Israel through Moses. So this is what I'm saying. A sovereign God has more than one path to take. His sovereignty doesn't limit him. It expands his path. And uh, so our prayers then uh, allow God. So what's another promise we could pray through? He will reward those who diligently seek him. That's what the Bible says, right? So, yeah, if we seek him, he'll reward us. What's another one? My word shall not return void. Not return void. You know, God, this is what you promised you'd do, and I'm going to trust that your word is going to do exactly what you said. Oh, uh, that will keep him in perfect peace. We can keep going. I'm out of time. But uh, that's praying through God's promises. Uh, this is where we're ending tonight, but you know, just praying through God's promises because you could do that for the next week, uh, the next month, the next year, praying through God's promises. And uh, so that's, that's what we're looking to do. As we, as we bring things before the Lord, 
you know, for instance, in James, does it, would it surprise you to know that if you ask us, our church, to anoint you with oil and pray over you, we will do that? It shouldn't surprise you. It's mentioned in the Bible, James chapter 5. That's what we're supposed to do, right? But, you know, in our Baptist circles, like, ooh, do we do that? Yes, we do, because that's what the Bible says. Now, you know what we don't do? We don't have a service where we say, okay, everybody come in, we're going to anoint all the sick, because that we don't find in the Scripture. Here's what the Bible says in James chapter 5. If you're sick, you come to the elders of the church and ask us to anoint you with oil and pray over you, and we'll do it. Over the years, we've done this, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 times, I don't know, uh, over the years that I've been here. Uh, two stories I'll share with you, and I'll be done, all right? So, Miss um, Shirley was here this morning. Miss Shirley got cancer. We prayed over her, anointed her with oil, and she's cancer-free today. She's engaged to be married. So, that's Miss Shirley. Uh, you know Matt Norwalt personally. Matt Norwalt wasn't supposed to be here. They said, no more kids. There's a problem. They wanted to have another kid. They only had Alex. And, and so we anointed Miss Cheryl and Brother Todd, and we prayed over them. And two months later, she was pregnant, and the doctor said, oh, this is too soon. I mean, they literally were like, it's too soon. Maybe we should stop this. But here we have Matt. I mean, God answers prayer. Has he answered every one of those? That, no, no. There have been times we've prayed, and people have still died of cancer. You know, because God, God knows what we need more than we know what we need. That's the Father we have. But he has honored his word on many occasions. So, uh, you know, we want to pray the right way, and let's see what God can do. Father, dismiss with your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. You're late. Get out of here. See you later.